0: Tappers, what's up? It is the Tuesday edition of the Daily Tap. We are talking, what will it take for the Bucks to get some national media respect? We will then discuss why your Aaron Rodgers Denver trades suck and it's not the NBA. Doing the friendly reminder as um, we need to do. Set- lastly, we will talk about the Milwaukee Brewers week. They have the Royals tonight. They have the Reds over the weekend, so we'll kind of preview those two series, see what's ahead for the Brew Crew as well. But let's start with the Milwaukee Bucks. Playoffs are slowly but surely coming our way this weekend. We do not know when the Milwaukee Bucks will play um, their first game. Um, That has not been announced yet, I would imagine. So the Eastern Conference playing games are tonight, so you have the Washington Wizards against the Boston Celtics, and you have the Charlotte Hornets against the Indiana Pacers. The winner uh, advances as the seven seed. The loser will be the eight seed, and I believe play Thursday um, against the whoever wins the 9-10 game. So with that being said, I would imagine the schedule will come out after or maybe as a preview, as a prelude to the games that are starting at 5.30 tonight and say, here's our schedule. Um, TNT is the Eastern Conference host this year, so I would imagine that they will lean in quite heavily to kind of do this weird schedule release thing and say, "All right, here are our first batch of games." You know, Bucks Heat, Knicks Hawks, um, whoever wins the Wizard Celtics game against the Nets. You know, all that shit will be featured. I have no idea though. Maybe not. Maybe they're going to wait until the very end. I would imagine these teams, given the NBA and their player forward uh, thinking that they would like to let these players know sooner rather than later when they're playing their first game so they can kind of mentally prepare for that. Um, so who knows, maybe it'll be out later today. Regardless, the Bucks and Heat will get started sometime this weekend. And there will, be, there will be a lot of noise around the Miami Heat potentially upsetting the Bucs. And now I talked about how different this series is compared to last year yesterday. Um, You guys can go back and listen to that. But what I noticed um, in checking in on the Milwaukee Bucks and from the national media perspective is that no one really has that much respect for the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, I say all the time, mostly with the Wisconsin Badger basketball team, is I was like, I hate the whole respect factor. Like, I, I think it's overdone. I think that it's one of those things that people lean to as a crutch and think that the national media or certain members of the media hate their team and give them no respect and that it's sort of this call for help, shall we say. But in the NBA, it's weirdly different because I don't think the Bucs get the credit they deserve because they live in Milwaukee. I think if Giannis Antetokounmpo played in Brooklyn or Giannis Antetokounmpo played in Philadelphia or he played in Los Angeles, the narratives around Giannis would be entirely different. It would be absolutely different. It would be another world. But because he's in a flyover state like Milwaukee, nobody gives a flying fuck about us. And that's okay. And we have to force the issue. That's the only way it's going to happen is if the Bucs make the the finals. And then that will be the thing where people are like, all right, I guess we have to respect the Bucs now. And that's crazy. It's crazy that we have to go through the hoops to sort of gain that respect. We have a two-time MVP for Christ's sakes. But it doesn't seem to matter to people. Everybody just assumes that these that the Bucks are playoff failures. And we went through it yesterday where, like, look, the bubble was a weird thing. They were a game, they were literally a overtime period away from going up 3-0 on Toronto. And who the fuck knows what happens after that? Okay? and Giannis Antetokounmpo is 26 years old. Michael Jordan did not get to his first title till 27. I get that Jordan was in the league less amount of, less amount of time than Giannis. Actually, I don't know if that's even true. I think they might have been at the same sort of part of their career. And it took Jordan multiple times to beat Detroit before he finally got over the hump the third time. And I'm not saying I'm not building an excuse for the Miami thing, but I'm more saying that our society is so hell-bent on declaring the next person and finding who that next shining star is and wanting to have greatness out of everybody. But the fact of the matter is, is two people are in the finals and one person wins the championship. It's the same with football. I talk about it all the time. How was really fucking hard to win a Super Bowl. And you don't always get blessed with a Brady versus Mahomes matchup as we did this year. So it's hard for me to look at this and say, all right, the Bucs need to win a championship to get the respect of the national media because they shouldn't. They shouldn't need a championship, but yet it feels like they need to. And it's ridiculous. And it drives me crazy. What I think is the more frustrating part, more than anything else, you can list a hundred different things. But one of the things that's the most frustrating is the almost pass that Joel Embiid gets. Everyone seems to think that the Sixers are going to be sort of the zag, shall we say, for the Brooklyn Nets. Because a lot of people will be picking the Brooklyn Nets to win the Eastern Conference. It's just natural. They have James Harden, they have Kevin Durant, they have Kyrie Irving. I think it's very fair to like what the Nets have done when it comes to a potential team to win the Eastern Conference. I'm not doubting that the Brooklyn Nets can't win the East. I'm also not doubting that the Philadelphia 76ers can't win the East. Although I find it curious and I know people want to say Doc Rivers is a great motivator. He will get these guys ready. He will say nobody respects you. Kind of. He will literally do what I'm talking about with the Milwaukee Bucks. But the fact of the matter is, is Doc Rivers is the West Coast Mike Budenholzer. Doc Rivers has had so many early playoff exits. It doesn't really get talked about because he has a title. It's funny how that works, right? Because he has a title in 2007, he's able to clutch onto that. But Doc Rivers has had so many bad playoff losses, so many bad playoff series in his career, that I have no idea why it doesn't get brought up more. Why not more people say, look, he is very, and and I actually know why. I'll, I'll say it in a second, but... I say, look, he, what's the difference between him and Mike Budenholzer? There isn't much. When you go through what Doc has done in the postseason, it's very similar to Mike Budenholzer. So, why doesn't it get talked about? Well, it's pretty easy. Doc is a media darling. Everybody fucking loves Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers is so well protected. You know, Jackie McMullen, um, Paul Pierce, obviously, a former player of his. Um, they're, I know they, they kind of, they're better now, but whatever. There are people all over the media who protect Doc. And Jackie Mack is the number one Doc protector. Like Doc and her are friends. Like it's not a journalism friend thing. She protects Doc. And she's one of the bigger names in, in the NBA. you Bob Ryan too. Like there are Doc protectors all across the NBA landscape. And so because of that, he doesn't get criticized like Mike Budenholzer. And that might be also part of this respect thing is the Bucks don't do a good enough job sometimes getting their names out in the media and really working their media contacts. We saw what happened with the Adrian Wojnarowski thing where he completely fucked the Bucks, and we should have Bogdan Bogdanovich and the Bucks would probably be the number one seed and look like a fucking juggernaut. But that's here nor there and we'll always have that "what if," um, and it goes down in Bucks history. I got sidetracked there. My apologies. Um, so let's move on to Joel Embiid. Was I was the weird thing about Joel Embiid? So Joel Embiid does not get the same amount of smoke as Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis Antetokounmpo is this playoff failure because he's lost a couple times in the playoffs because he was a one seed. And that seems to matter more than Joel Embiid, who quit on his coach last year and basically got swept right out of Boston. Now, granted, he had thirty, he had 30 and 12 in that series, right? But still, it was not that it was still a really bad look for the Sixers. The Sixers did not want to be there. They wanted to go home. Brett Brown got fired. They were completely out of that series. But also if you look back at Embiid's stat lines, um, you know, the Toronto series where they lost in seven, Embiid only averaged 17 points and eight rebounds. He was not as effective. It was his worst playoff series of the five that he's played in. He's two and three overall. Um, he's two and one in the first round and zero and two in the Eastern Conference semifinals. Joel Embiid has not left the Eastern Conference semifinals. So say what you will about Giannis, right? Giannis Antetokounmpo has made it past the Eastern semifinals. Now, Joel Embiid's a little younger than the Giannis, so that there, there is that. But the fact is, is Embiid still gets a pass. And it's like maybe this year, if they don't make it out of the second round, it'll finally be like, all right, are we sure Embiid can hold up throughout a playoffs? And is that the problem, that he's fatigued? And that he needs to get himself in better shape to get himself ready for a full ride? But Embiid does not get the smoke that Giannis does. And I don't understand why. I'm trying to figure out if it's a personality thing, if it's the way he plays. Because the way people talk about Joel Embiid is somehow the way I think they should talk about Giannis. And there was some commentary that if Giannis, you play Giannis for seven games, you're going to figure him out a little bit. Well, how can you, you can figure out Joel Embiid too. Like I feel like in a seven game series, you can figure anybody out. Like I don't think there are certain guys that you can't figure out. I think it's just are their moves unstoppable. And I do think that Giannis has to do a better job of, you know, mixing stuff up whether it's a hook shot, whether it's a little bit of a fadeaway, whether it's a pull-up 3 to keep people honest and if that's working then start hitting it more. And I don't think the Wall is going to work as well as it has in years past because the Bucks are a better 3-point shooting team with guys like Drew Holiday, P.J. Tucker, Bryn Forbes, Bobby Portis, you name it. They're one of the best three-point shooting teams in the the NBA. And so that wall where you sink everybody in, well, there's going to be a lot of open looks for the Bucs. And I, All it will take is one playoff game to absolutely shit pump a team from the outside. Make like 20 or 25 threes. And you're going to have to figure out what you're going to do. Either you wall off Giannis or you give up a ton of threes. It's your fucking choice. And that's going to happen in a series. And you can lock that in. Like that to me feels like what's going to happen. So this idea that Embiid and Giannis are different is kind of untrue. They're similar and the pressure should be the same. Yet, because Giannis has won a couple MVPs and because the Bucks have had a higher seed and they've had more success in the regular season, somehow they're punished for that. Yet, we don't punish the Sixers for basically having a shit year in 2020, pre-pandemic and post-pandemic. Not really post-pandemic, but bubble, I should say. And we, we don't punish them. No one gives a fuck. They don't get punished for that and they skate off. That sucks. And so I think when we roll back to the respect thought process of this is there is a double standard with the Milwaukee Bucks and that's evident with how people talk about Brooklyn, how people talk about Philadelphia, hell, even the way some people talk about the lesser teams in the Eastern Conference. No one is criticized harder than Milwaukee. And I don't get it. I, I really fail to understand it. I have no idea if it's a Giannis thing. I have no idea if it's a flyover thing. If Giannis was an American born AAU player who went to Duke, Zion, basically, would it be different? Maybe. I don't know. Because, like, I, I looked at a, We didn't ever talk about this on a podcast or a blog, but there was an SI article about how unfair Zion gets refed by the NBA and David Griffin caught like a $50,000 fine. Like literally, that article should have been written about Giannis two fucking years ago. We've said it all the time as Bucks fans, and yet no one seems to care. So maybe it's that, maybe it's something else. But I hope the Bucks can get people's respect. I hope people believe in the Bucks. And like I, I said on a TikTok, Instagram, so that you can follow it and all that. If you aren't on board or you don't believe in this team, we don't want you. So don't don't even bother. Uh, showing your face around the Bucks facility. All right, let's move on. Um, we got a couple other topics to get to. Let's move to the NFL and our last gasp at Aaron Rodgers content. So Albert Breer of the Monday Morning Quarterback put out a fake trade for the Green Bay Packers to trade Aaron Rodgers. The deal is Drew Locke, Dalton Reiser, Bradley Chubb, and a bunch of draft picks for Aaron Rodgers. Now, this is the time of the year where I will remind you that the NFL is not the NBA. I have no idea how that would work with contracts. I'm sure Breer thought it out. But I also think that is a ridiculous offer. That offer sucks. That like Breer should not go into the business of fake trades. He is not Bill Simmons. He is not the trade machine Picasso that Bill is when it comes to the NBA. Because that trade is awful. And I and there are a million ways to count how awful that trade is. First of all, why the fuck do the Packers the want Drew Locke? Yes, they had interest in Drew Locke a couple years ago. They got Jordan Love. Okay, that is number one. So they don't need Drew Locke. They don't need a quarterback competition. Yes, Aaron Rodgers had Brian Brom breathing down his neck. But I don't think what the Packers would do is say, hey, we traded for Aaron Rodgers. And now we also added it, your competition. They have Blake Bortles. They have Kirk Bennett, They have Swag Kelly. They would be all right. They they don't need fucking Drew Locke. They give Drew Locke to some other team. Bradley Chubb, top 10 pick, awesome edge rusher. But again, where is that need for the Packers? The Packers don't need another edge rusher. Sure, Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith are on there last year as a deal. But you do have Rashawn Gary. Bradley Chubb, a I said, I think he's also coming off an injury, if I'm not mistaken. So where is that? Dalton Riser. again, the Packers are pretty loaded at offensive line. They just drafted a bunch of them. They have a good offensive line as is. Why the hell would they need an offensive lineman? And I get that a lot of this is we're trying to pair young salaries to sort of make sure the Packers have cap room. We're not going to give them older players. Well, if you're going to do this kind of deal, And again, I don't know what it actually looks like. But to me, the deal really starts with Jerry Judy. It starts with Noah Fant. It starts with Patrick Sertan. Those are the guys that we're having conversations about. We're not talking about Bradley Chubb. We're talking about those dudes. And maybe we're even talking about Von Miller. Because those are the guys that would make immediate impacts for the Packers. The first three, not Von, The first three would make long-term success for Jordan Love and Green Bay. You add a guy like Jerry Judy to the mix with Devontae Adams. Holy shit. That's pretty special. You also could make the case if you wanted to rebuild, quote unquote, you could let Devontae Adams go to free agency and then Jerry Judy kind of takes that role. I I would not recommend that, but there you go. Same with Noah Fant because Robert Tanyan, I believe, is going to be a free agent next year. Same, same situation. You could have no fan and just rinse and repeat. And the fact is, is like you have to fill needs to make a Rodgers trade worth it. But as people have pointed out, or as it should kind of come clear here, is there isn't really a deal for Aaron Rodgers. This is all just content generation. It is the middle of May. There is nothing to talk about in the NFL. There is nothing going on in the NFL, Literally. It is hey what about the ranking the primetime games uh, start to finish what what are you know the games packer fans are looking forward to the most based on on the ticket the early ticket prices um, the content machine is dying and it'll pick back up don't worry about it somebody'll say something i'm sure get up will have that colonus st brown was working out with jordan love which isn't a big deal at all by the way there's nothing to that Yet I know they will talk about it Because that that's how dumb we they think we are They think we're so dumb That we will bite on any little piece of cheese And so Breer, which I, who I like I, I like Albert Breer, don't get me wrong and, I, and he has a job to do And he has to make things happen Creating these sort of fake trades makes some sense But as we did the exercise with Bill Barnwell's fake trades Which absolutely sucked which were way worse than anything that Breer put out. Um it, it's just it's hard to do it with Aaron Rodgers. It's hard to really make sense of it. Because Green Bay is going to want a fucking haul. And it doesn't seem like it's going to happen that they're going to trade Aaron Rodgers. You know, Bet Online had it that Aaron Rodgers is minus 140 to take the first snap with the Green Bay Packers. Those odds have decreased uh, or have went in favor of the green Bay Packers and everybody who you talk to that are Rogers friends you could maybe say the Rogers media mafia can we say that does does Rogers have a media mafia he kind of does right James Jones A.J. Hawk oh his name's on top of my tongue James Jones A.J. Hawk John Kuhn Nolan Murphy Um, and that that's where I would say the media mafia is um, there are probably a couple others I'm forgetting, but those guys for sure. Maybe Kyle Brandt too. Um, I could add Kyle Brandt to that mix. He's part of the Rodgers Media Mafia. Is there any other Rogers Media Mafia members? Dan Orlowski does really like Rodgers. I don't know if he's there yet. But I, I do think that there is a sort of section of the media that is very pro Aaron Rodgers. But also has Aaron Rodgers' ear. And, no, and Aaron Rodgers, I think... If not him, his agent says like, here's what Aaron is thinking. Can we talk, can you you kind of work this into what you're saying? And so I I do think that there is some perpetuated and that might be a little tinfoil hat of me, but I I do think that Aaron Rodgers, you know, guides that conversation. So I I think Aaron Rodgers will be back. I think he will get a large contract. And the question is, will it be worth it? There will be a ton of pressure if Aaron Rodgers gets a massive deal from Packers. We're we're not that we're not there yet, but if that does happen, the amount of pressure that Aaron Rodgers will be on will be equal to what he had in 2008 in 2009. and 2009. We'll we'll talk about that then. Like that is a long-term tease. That is like the longest possible greeny tease ever. Because who knows if it'll happen? But if that does happen, the amount of pressure Aaron Rodgers will be under will be massive. But we'll. We'll save that. We'll bank that in for another time. But let's stop with the fake trades, okay? We're going to get a lot of them because, as mentioned, it is a dead period in the NFL calendar. After June 1st, there'll be a lot of releases and things like that where people will start picking it back up again. Um, So we'll hopefully uh, get it picked back up uh, and the fake trades will go away and just die into thin air. Lastly, let's talk about the Milwaukee Brewers for this week. So Milwaukee Brewers have obviously had a bad month of May. This has not been the May that the Milwaukee Brewers have wanted. Uh, Adam McAlvey pointed out on Saturday Saturday evening that the Milwaukee Brewers have lost 10 of 13 after being 20 and 14. Now they then win on Sunday. So they, are, they have won now... They're what, four and 10 in their last 14? That's that's pretty rough, man. Like that that is tough, tough stuff right there for, for your Milwaukee Brewers. And so they're looking to really get off the schneid and try to start kind of coming back to life after just a really rough month of May thus far. And the Kansas City Royals provide that opportunity for them. Kansas City Royals are struggling after a hot start in their own right they have really scuffled recently. They have a run differential of negative 30 and you have Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns pitching in this two game series. Now, Woodruff is facing uh, Chris Bubik, who uh, they were gonna face Danny Duffy. Now, Chris Bubick is getting the ball. He's a lefty, so it's still a lefty matchup, but Bubik is getting the ball instead of Danny Duffy he was not good last season. He was a 432 ERA. He started 10 games. It did not go well for him. So the Brewers could have some real opportunity to hit up Bubik today and keep this offense rolling. And then they face Brad Keller, on Wednesday night, and Brad Keller is a gas can. Brad Keller has been awful this year. I can't believe he's still pitching. He's going up against Corbin Burns on Wednesday night. So there was some real opportunity for the Brewers to kind of get this shit rolling. And then they head to Kansas City, and even against Kansas City, they're facing Sonny Gray and Luis Castillo. Usually that would be an issue, but Sonny Gray has not been good. Luis Castillo has been a gas can, so there's some real chance here for the Brewers to make some noise. And I, I just I just hope that this is kind of the start. And if you continue on, you look at their schedule kind of going forward, it, it is really favorable. And maybe the point of the Brewers 20 and 21 rec, 21 and 20 record is they've kind of dealt with a lot of difficult teams. They played Atlanta who I know is struggling they played Atlanta, they played St. Louis, they played Los Angeles, they played San Diego, played the Cubs a bunch. You know, maybe that has something to do with it because you look at their next basically month and it's it's pretty easy. Besides the San Diego series next week, which is a four-game set, they go to Washington, who's not that good, play Detroit, they play Arizona twice, they play Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, and Colorado twice. And they play Pittsburgh a bunch. And and so really, there is some opportunity here for Milwaukee to kind of make a push. And Christian Yelich should be back this week. I don't know if he's gonna be in the lineup tonight, but Christian Yelich should be back very soon. Keston Hira, who kind of talks about how he needed to take a step back and his mother's cancer diagnosis was a real factor. Will Salmon wrote about it. I have not read it yet. I will hand up, did not get to it. But I I do think Hura at some point will be back. I don't know if it's a mental thing where he's just like, whenever his mind's right, he's gonna be back on the Brewers roster. But I think it's going to be soon. So the Brewers will be finally at full tilt. And they haven't been at full tilt really since the start of the season. And so maybe this is the opportunity now where we see the Brewers kind of go on a streak. Because their schedule really plays well to them it seems like a lot of the difficult parts of that schedule are over. Yeah, there are a few here and there where it's like, oh, those are going to be challenges for the Brew Crew, but it's not going to be as significant maybe as it was for the first quarter of the season. The second quarter of the season looks a lot easier for Milwaukee than the last one. And it starts this weekend with Kansas City. And when when you have Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns on the mound this week, there's really no excuse to lose either of those games. I realize baseball is a dumb sport and dumb things can happen, but when you have Burns and Woodruff in that series against two guys who aren't very good, there there's literally no excuse for the Brewers in this series. And they should not lose this series. And if they do, I'm not gonna say like I'm gonna overreact to it, but I'm gonna be like, all right, you just fumbled another opportunity. And, and the Brewers just can't keep fumbling those. And they need to kind of get back on track here in a, in a little bit. And if they're still sort of scuffling after Cincinnati, I think some moves have to be made. Because, yeah, that San Diego series next week is not easy. And that's a four-game series at home. And San Diego, I know they had success early on this season and they swept the Padres. The Padres are still a good team. They're playing decent baseball right now. So... They gotta, they gotta kind of figure some shit out, and this is a good week to do it. And I, I believe in them, and hopefully they get off the schneid and get rolling here uh, this tonight and this week. All right, that does it for us. We'll be back tomorrow. Um, we'll have another daily tap. We'll talk Brewers, you know all the things. Who knows? Um, and we'll uh, we'll get into it. So look forward to that. And we will uh, we'll talk to you then. Tapping the keg on Friday again. Another Friday show for us. I do think, I've, I've kind of done this where I've just taken a day off but not really told you guys. I will be more transparent about that. I do think we might be going to Daily Tap four times a week. Um, just, it's more for me than anything else. Um, I know for a fact that we will, the following week for Memorial Day, probably take Friday Monday off. Because, you know, half of you guys are in the office, half of you guys are listening. If you're listening to a podcast, you might be listening to your part of my takes, your Bill Simmons, whatever. And you don't have time for us, which is okay, right? Like, I'm not offended by that. And maybe we'll pop on Monday for like, if there's a a reason to be on Friday or Monday, we will. So like a Bucks game, for example, like a recap, we will be on for that. But if there isn't, uh, we'll probably take those days off to just sort of recuperate, refresh, and also not just try to force it when there doesn't need to be one. Because what well, you'll have a ton of content to listen to. that You don't have to worry about that. All right, take care, guys. Have yourself a lovely Tuesday. We'll be back tomorrow. All right, see you. Bye.